Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. Thanks so much for supporting us and tuning in. This podcast means so much to us. It is keeping us going, and we are so excited to continue to bring the lives of queer performers to y'all so that everyone can get to know them a little better so that we can keep having queer voices and queer spaces. And thank you so much for supporting that. One thing that I I think is so interesting about social media and, and I guess, you know, the podcast platform is that it's all audio. But when I scroll through my social media, there are people in my life that I haven't heard their voice in like 20 years. And with the podcast, what's interesting, our last guest, Katie Burton, I was, you know, being a, a nosy stalker. And I was, you know, she made a post about the podcast episode. And then some of her friends were commenting. And, and a few people actually were saying, like, wow, it was so nice to just hear your voice and to just hear you. And I really, I really did love that. And, you know, I hope that we are helping people stay connected and feel connected. Even if you haven't seen someone or heard someone in a long time, it's nice to to have that, to have a little more than just words on a screen or a picture. I realize I have friends who have kids. I don't know what that kid sounds like. I mean, they could sound like Barry White or they could sound like Roseanne. I have no idea. I have no idea because all I see are pictures. That's all we see is the image and, and some text about what they're doing. Uh, so it's nice to, to have this podcast, uh, which we can still do during COVID and to connect with folks. This episode, we're bringing you someone who I think her parents can just see into the future because they named her Joy. And that is exactly what she is. She is a true Joy, Joy Clark. She's a New Orleans-based musician. Stay tuned after the episode. She gave us her new song, that we're going to play for y'all. Really excited. We had such a good, uplifting, positive conversation, which is, you know, what I really needed in this time. And um, I was so happy we had this opportunity. So let's get to it. Let's get to Joy Clark. Joy Clark, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, considering COVID. <laughs> I swore every time I was like, I'm not going to start the podcast off by asking people how they're doing, but I, I genuinely know how people are doing. Yeah, I, I feel you. But you know what? It, it's real. It's real out here. I was, I was talking to Camille um, today about how I feel like I've forgotten how to socialize and how to talk to people. <laughs> I feel like, I, like I'm, I'm pretty much a people person. I think I, like, I'm actually pretty good at small talk. And I kind of, I miss it. And I feel like I am rusty at socializing and simple interactions because 
it's so hard now. Yeah. And people, I feel like now people just want to go deep right away. Like you don't have that small talk. People are just like, let's just talk about the world ending. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I kind of just wanted to talk about how it's kind of cooler today because the humidity wasn't as high, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it wasn't as terrible in New it Orleans. Wasn't, as it, wasn't as ter- it was, it was sort of like a late May day, you know, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. sweat through my clothes with in five minutes it was more like a 10 minute sweat through exactly it wasn't it wasn't as bad it wasn't as bad but yeah I'm doing okay um this whole situation has been like a like a blessing and a curse um I feel like I've been getting things done and I've been pushing through the perfectionism and really practicing my craft and doing things and and then there's the other side where I feel like I'm totally becoming a hermit so yeah <laughs> We're all kind of becoming hermits, just not by choice, because even when you socialize, it is very difficult. Like I've, I've gone out, I went out, I have a friend that's moving to Dallas. So I was like, I have to see her before she moves. So we went to a bar that has outdoor seating. We sat away from everybody. But Mm -hmm. anytime someone like walked near our table, it was just like this high panic alert. It was, you know, it's different. Yeah, it is. It's weird. I'm like a go with the flow person, right? So it's just like, okay, COVID's here. Okay, you can't go into your office at all. And then now I go in very rarely. You have to wear a mask. You can't be within six feet of people. You can't do comedy anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, okay, okay, this is what it is. This is what it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at what point am I going to like flip my shit? Yeah, I know. Just, I say hang in there. At- yeah, because it's like, what? What choice do we have? Yeah. Yeah, so you, so you and your partner, uh, Camille, from our episode two, uh, you went on a road trip recently, right? Yeah, we we had to get out of here. We um, we we did a day of protest. We marched, and it was it was a beautiful protest. Everybody wore their masks. We felt pretty safe, and it was like really, it was really great to see just people coming together and marching about the same thing. But then we 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 kind of looked around us, and we were like, okay we don't want to spend this whole time like protesting and marching because we've done a lot of that. So she got furloughed and I haven't been like playing, you know, shows they're, they're, they're shut down. So we were like, you know what? We don't have anywhere to be. Probably won't be like this again. So let's just rent a car and like, just, just get out of here for a while. And that's what we did. So we, we stopped in Austin. We went to New Mexico to see my family, to, uh, to see my sister and her family. Um, we saw her family in Austin. And then we went to the Grand Canyon. We just kept going. We went to the Grand Canyon. We went to Las Vegas. We went to LA. We have some friends out there. We went to Northern California. And it was beautiful. It was just, it was kind of like a protest travel. I've always wanted to take a trip like that. And I was always scared of like small towns or cops or being kidnapped. Just when it's like, you know what? This is our country. Let's just take this time and like, let's just go on this road trip and totally enjoy ourselves and enjoy the country. And um, it was beautiful. I, w- I wouldn't change it. Because I saw it and I was like, so ha- I was so happy that y'all were doing that. Um, because it looked like a dream trip. And then I was also, you know, had all the, of course, the anxieties. How was traveling? How was, I can't even think about leaving. So I'm just like, how was that? Actually, it, it was actually chill. And I really enjoyed driving because there wasn't that many people on the road. We probably hit one traffic snag. And it was just kind of smooth sailing. It differed from it, if we were in a small town, 
most people were not wearing masks. So you you could kind of tell, like, if it was a small town or if it was a red state, you could just kind of tell, <laughs> which which is really interesting. Um, but I mean, I I I was okay like the whole time. It nothing crazy happened. We had a lot of white people speaking to us more. <laughs> Like in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like totally, totally in a good way, which I thought was really interesting. And I, th- I think it was more funny and also kind of sweet. Yeah. So I, I found that white people were being a little bit more like conscious of black people. And I, I, I kind of found that comforting. Yeah, no, that that's really great. Because, you know, another thing, not just with COVID, but with everything that's going on with, you know, reading that these are the biggest protests that have ever happened and wanting wanting actual change to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, it sounds like you saw actual change, like you saw people that, you know, were engaging with you in, in a way that sounded yeah. good and positive. Yeah, yeah. So you're a musician, and I'm going to ask you about the history of that, because I'm always fascinated by how people knew that this was kind of the thing that they were meant to do. But before we we get to that, I just want to ask how post-COVID, because I know you've done a few shows post-COVID, and I know, you know, I can only speak from like the stand-up perspective of how hard it is to not have a live audience and to be doing these Zoom shows and to be performing in a different way and kind of adjusting our craft. Are you experiencing that? What is that looking like? I, I I have done a couple of Zoom shows and it is pretty strange to kind of just play to people and not have that immediate response. And it, it's it's kind of like an ego check because it's like, okay, why do I need applause after I finish the song? Like, <laughs> shouldn't, I, shouldn't I be playing for myself? So it's I mean, it's strange. And then it's also kind of freeing in a, a certain way. I've just kind of had to, hey, just just play like there's nobody watching you. You know, like you, you're just totally playing for yourself, which is kind of hard to do. But I think it's a good practice because sometimes people aren't listening to you. So you, you, just, you, you just have to share your heart and not be so concerned. Definitely. I, I think that that's a good see so you took a positive out of that of like now you can see more clearly to play for yourself. Yeah. The last Zoom show I did, I I was like, I am treating this like this is Carnegie fucking hall. I am treating it like there are <laughs> twenty thousand people and they've all paid to see me. And at the end I asked my girlfriend, I was like, How so how many people were on the show? And she was like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and then and then I was like, No, 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 don't tell me and she said uh-huh. seven. And I was like, uh-huh. and I was like, does that include you? And she's like, yes. So I was like, <laughs> well, okay. This is yeah. just about accurate with what I played in person. <laughs> but I treated it like because I don't know because you're not you're not like seeing it. You know, you're not so, seeing people, you're not seeing the impact. No, I, I totally get that. I totally, I totally. That's that is that is good. <laughs> um, are you? From New Orleans? Yes, I am. I, I grew up on the West Bank. Okay. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Harvey, and um, I just I recently moved from the West Bank, uh, like four years ago or so. So yeah, I'm I'm from I'm from the area. 
I'm a hometown girl. And for those who aren't from New Orleans or not familiar with it, the West Bank, we have a bridge that divides <laughs> the Mississippi River. And we call, we, when you cross the bridge, it's, it's just the West Bank. And mm-hmm. people might talk shit about it, but the West <laughs> Bank also talks shit about the East Bank. So, yeah, you true. know, it's, it's a little little rivalry in New Orleans. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a silly thing because the city is so small. And it's like, it, the West is still New Orleans. Like, it's not, it's like 10 minutes away. Yeah, where you live, you know. <laughs> no, and there's such animosity, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> I think the I have no problem with the West Bank. I think y'all have like a lot of great stuff over there. We, we really do. I think the food is cheaper too. It's cheaper, and there's some good food over there. Really great food, yeah. Lots of really great Vietnamese food and shawarma and all that good stuff. You had this like New Orleans vibe about you, so but I was like, I don't know. She could just be a cool person. <laughs> Or that could be the vibe she grew up with. Like, <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're, so you're a musician and a singer. What instruments do you play? And you play guitar, right? Yeah, I am a guitarist. That's the only instrument that I can play well. It's like, I I wanted to play more. I, I I would like to play more. Like, I can I can play drums decently. I'm a guitarist and I am a singer songwriter. And when did you first start singing and when did you first start playing guitar? Singing came first because that's a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> my my parents are ministers. My dad's a minister and he would sing a lot and I would I would harmonize with him and you know, Christian contemporary songs, gospel songs, you know. I remember singing I remember singing a song in church for the first time when I had it may have been before I got a guitar. I was probably eleven. And that's the first time I remember singing. And then I remember performing a solo at church when I was maybe like 13 years old. And I was playing my guitar and I was singing. And I remember playing the song really fast. And I was sweating. I was shaking. I was so nervous. (laughs) Okay. So you learned, did you learn because of church or was church just where you performed? Church was where I was exposed to live music. I remember we used to go to a predominantly white church in New Orleans East, like a long, very long time ago. And I remember seeing the the guy that was playing the guitar at the church. I remember seeing it. I was maybe like five years old. And I, I was like, that looks so cool. Like that is, I, I think I thought it was sexy and I didn't know <laughs> sexy. It was, it was, it was, it was just, it was like, there is some, like, that is me. Like, that's what, that's what I need to be doing. And so it, it, it took about seven years, but <laughs> so, you know, church and music kind of goes hand in hand, you know. Yeah. When did you start pursuing music as more of a, like a career or, you know, taking that path of a solo artist? Not really until maybe like 2010, 2011. It, it was sort of one of those things where I would perform at like poetry nights and I wasn't really taking it seriously. I was just kind of like, okay. I'll do it. I'll perform a song. It, but it, it wasn't like I was really pursuing it. I was just, I don't know. I, I was just trying to express myself. And then I just realized, hey, you might be kind of good. I, I, I wrote my first song in 2007. And it was like, I realized this is actually pretty good. And folks seem to like it. And it makes me feel really good. And I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this because five-year-old Joy already knew. It just took some time. I believe as kids, we already kind of know. And then, you know, college comes into play and different things like, oh, you, sh- you, you, you should have this job or you have to think about this. And then we, we kind of get started. Um, we can kind of get turned around. But 
So I, I started pursuing probably in like 2011, 2012. And were you out of college at that time? Yeah, I, I don't have a traditional story. I, I got to college when I actually Katrina semester. So two, 2005 was my um, first college semester and then Katrina messed all that up. And um, I went to Europe for, for about five or six months and I came back and started college again. And I didn't finish until 2011. Katrina's happened. You're like, fuck the United States. I'm going to Europe. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's kind of a long story. I, I had a first cousin that she's um, German and black. And I used to communicate with her because I love languages and I can actually kind of speak some German. And so I, I was just obsessed obsessed with Germany and obsessed with Austria. So I, I did a semester out there and it, it, it was crazy and amazing. <laughs> it's a crazy 21 year old. It was like my, my first flight, I think was to Germany, like my first flight ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, I just, I just dove into it. But, um, so yeah, it, I just had to take time. I just had to, I, I don't, I don't have a traditional story. I was homeschooled. I forgot to mention oh, that. But, okay, um, put a pin in that. Yeah. I also wanted to get back to the minister <laughs> thing. Oh, so of course, of course, of course we were. Yeah. So I didn't really find my music community until like 2010, 2011. And then it was like, let's do this thing. Like, okay, I'll, I'll play here. I will play with you. Yeah, I'll do that. And then it was, it was like, yes to everything. And that's where I am right now, <laughs> pretty much. Because that's what you do full time, right? Yeah, I am. I, you know, I when every time somebody asks me that, I'm like, I, I think I do do that full time. How do I do this full time? <laughs> and then it's like, you know what? Just just keep doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to mess the streak up, you know. But uh, yeah, I do. I, I do it full time. Uh, I'm getting my life together. COVID has me getting everything together, so. I make music. That's great. So I, well, we have a couple of pins and I'm going to go back to them now so that I don't forget them. What, re what religion were you raised in? Christian, non-denominational, pretty evangelical. That's what you want to, yeah, if that's what you want to Yeah, because I'm so, always fascinated about stuff. queer folks who grew up in re religious environments in general, but especially, you said both of your parents were ministers? Yeah, they, they founded their church in 2000, I mean, I'm sorry, 1993. And they are ministers. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I always find I find it interesting when Christian religions do have women ministers. I, I do. I, and I don't know. I'm Jewish. So excuse my ignorance about Christian religions. But I always just picture some dude yeah. yelling at everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's usually what it is. But <laughs> Was it a, like a strict household or? It, you know, let's see. We, yes. So. My my parents were strict with like certain things. They were strict with movies. They were strict with like TV shows and music. They weren't really strict with a whole lot of other things. It was it was it was more like can't listen to this. You know, we don't watch this TV show or we don't watch <laughs> this. So it it was like kind of selectively strict. Let's let's see. Yeah, I I couldn't I could not listen to secular music. We couldn't listen to secular music, so I had to sneak. I had to. <laughs> I remember when I started to listen to secular music it was like maybe um, 1998, which was probably probably like 1997. Which so 
So that was like Cheryl Crow. Yeah, I was like, that's when it wasn't even that bad. That's when they still had, they still had like innuendos and they weren't like, I'm going to fuck the shit out of you. They were like, I'm going to lay you down. Like it was just very, yeah. Everything was very like coded, you know, it wasn't just out plan, you know. You had to get creative with the way you were saying it. You had to come with it, you know, you had to. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just like, fuck this, I'm a, you know, this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, but, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what song that was, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, they, um, no, it was no secular music, you know, certain, certain TV shows were like a no, no. I, I remember Roseanne was like, no, you can't, you can't watch Roseanne. Well, now, <laughs> now no one can watch Roseanne. <laughs> no, no. I forgot about that. (laughs) I didn't because Roseanne, Roseanne was one of those shows that I grew up with. Darlene from Roseanne was my idol because she was the sarcastic, like Mm -hmm. funny, cool one. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like, can I not watch that? Can that not be part of my childhood experience? And (laughs) I'm just like, God damn it, Roseanne. (laughs) She she screwed it up. She screwed it up for everybody. Screwed it up. You know, but were you a non? I remember with The Simpsons, everyone's like couldn't watch The Simpsons. No, we could, and I, could not watch The Simpsons. <laughs> why? I never understood that. I don't. I, it was just certain things that they thought were too just just too edgy. But now Cosby Show, we 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 love the Cosby Show. Like people called us the Cosbys, you know, because I I, I come from a big family, and uh, so we watched the Cosby. We 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 watched Seventh Heaven. Uh, oh, well, that everyone was allowed to watch that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> watch Good Times, but um, yeah. So, so they were strict about certain things. They weren't strict about everything, though, which I guess was good. But yeah, that's that's the that's the kind of household it was. I don't know how to ask this, so I guess I'll just I'll just ask it. Um, was there a discussion of queerness in your religion and in your household? Was it was that something you were aware of from a young age that like queer? exists uh, or queer is bad or was that was that part of anything that you grew up with you know i've been like thinking about this and nobody explicitly said that it was bad you just kind of knew you just like my my parents never had a conversation about queerness they didn't even talk about sex you know <laughs> they didn't talk about much so it was it was like we were kind of left to just kind of figure things out which it's not the best way to to do things, but you know, it's I'm sure it's really hard to be a parent, but it it was never something that was explicitly said. It it was just from church teachings. You can context kind of yeah. You can you, we definitely got the context. So I mean, everything was about you finish school, you get married. Who do you get married to? You get married to a man. Or if you're a man, who you get married to, you find a wife. So it's just just like, well, yeah, it's pretty (laughs) anti-queer. So Yeah, because it doesn't leave room for any other options. It doesn't leave room for like not getting married or (laughs) or not having kids. And I I never I I was never a little girl to like plan her marriage or like I, I want to marry this kind of guy or I want to do, I never did that. And I guess when I start to think about it, it's like, maybe I was just never feeling the whole thing. I just always kind of knew that there was something more. I just always felt like there was something more. 
I liked guys, but I just always felt like, I don't, I don't really want to do that. Like I might do it, but I don't, it's not something that I'm really seeking out. And I, I kind of knew that there wasn't space for that. So I just kind of didn't really talk about it much. You know, I would have my occasional crushes on people, but it was just like, sometimes it felt like, I, I, I think he's cute, but I think I'm good too. <laughs> it's it's not like, oh my God, this this one guy. I just sort of always felt like this disconnection to, you know what? I don't want to say a disconnection to sexuality because I think I kind of had a healthy sexuality that I buried a little bit because I just didn't see my place. So yeah. <laughs> For me, and I don't know, I didn't grow up in a particularly religious environment, but when I really first started to notice, hey, I think I'm thinking about this a little differently than others was just, being, I think about 12 or 13 when my friends all started mm-hmm. being boy crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't relate, but I tried so hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. My my um my sister would go to parties, she would go to dances, and I never I, I guess I always felt like pressure too. I kind of felt that same pressure. Like I don't really wanna try to go talk to these boys. I, I feel like it's not really what I wanna be doing. I just wanna sit in my room or sit and play my guitar and like just just chill, just chill out and just totally be myself. Because I think just that whole dynamic, it, I just felt like, I just felt like I was on display and I didn't, I didn't like that dynamic. And I think I knew that at like 13, 14, you know, it just, it just wasn't really my scene and it didn't, it, it, it didn't make me comfortable. So I was totally fine with just like playing guitar. <laughs> playing guitar to my dog playing to my cat so something like that yeah you know? that was me I was like I'm gonna focus on my studies yeah <laughs> that's I gotta focus on my studies I don't have time for this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this is the way I ask the the coming out question I tried to find a different way to ask it but I think this is the way to kind of encompass everything because Coming out isn't just like this one, everyone wants to like reduce it to this one moment where it's like, well, when did Mm -hmm. you first come out? But I think it's so much more than that because I think it's like an onion, there's like layers. So I think there's the layer of like, when did you come out to yourself? And then there's the layer of when did you say it out loud to somebody else? And then when did you come out to friends and family? And then when, if, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're out on stage to the public, you know, when did that happen? Man, you know. It's so many layers with me because I, the, the first time I verbally came out, I came out to one of my good friends, Monica Dillon. First came out to her and she was like, oh yeah, I already knew. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like 28, maybe. I was like 20, I was, I was up there, you know, I was, it was probably t- 27 or 28. And she was like, oh yeah, I totally, she's like. Yeah, you know, and she she's <laughs> she's also queer. And um so I found community. So I, I felt really comfortable telling her because she was also queer and I, I felt like, okay, should I take a step? I'm definitely gonna tell her first because I know it's pretty easy. Second person I came out to I came out to both of my sisters and then I I, I came out to my brothers and it was a couple of years until I came out to my parents. <laughs> and that was, 
I call it the hardest conversation I've ever had to have with anybody. And I felt like it was it, it was the first adult conversation I'd ever had with my parents. I sat down, I sat down with them one day. I, I, I think this was like 2018 and I said, "Okay." I was thinking to myself, "Why am I why am I doing this again? Like this is <laughs> like why do they need to know because I don't tell them much of anything else. So why do they need to, why why am I doing this?" And so <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, I, I said, um, I am with somebody. I, I have somebody special, but it's not a man. <laughs> so it was like I went this roundabout way, you know, because it's sort of because I know my parents, you know, and I just I, maybe I wanted to soften the blow, and um, and it was it was rough. It, it was rough. It was not. It was not an easy thing. They did not receive it well, and I'm sorry to hear that. It was kind of yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was like a gut punch. But but we've we've been working through that and. And I think it's I think it's good and it's healthy and there's growth there. Now coming out to myself is almost something that I have to continually do because it's it's way more than just saying I'm queer. It's it's more of showing it, like trying to acknowledge my partner more. Like I think that that was like a big thing for me because I'm so close to my family and my family is really important to me and I feel like once I could share that part of my life, then I could continuously come out to myself and totally be comfortable and totally be my full self. And I, it's still, it is still a journey. And my family has actually been pretty great. Like my, my siblings are awesome. My, my parents are still awesome. My mom is great. I still love them. It's, it's just, it's just one of those things where, hey, people get used to it, and that's what it is. And uh, love them the same. And I know they love me. So. And at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of folks, that's what they realize is, hey, I love this person, and they love me, mm-hmm. and. Maybe, you know, this is not something that I was ready for that I completely understand, but I will work on on that understanding Yeah, because I want my child in my life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you were talking, when you were deciding to come out to your parents, you said you were asking yourself why. (laughs) Like what in that moment was the answer to that question where you're like, why? Because I knew that I had to be true to myself and since my family is so important to me, like I talk to them all the time and I love them so much. I couldn't continually split myself because it just, it was unhealthy. It was like, they knew half of me. Like my, my parents didn't know me. My, my family didn't really know me. So I felt like it it was just, it was just time. It was like, Joy, you look, I'm too, I'm too old to be like parsing my life like this, like it's like it's just it's got to be all in one box. Never like I'm 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 tired of having these separate boxes, and um, because it's driving me crazy. It was it was just complicated. Like I I couldn't bring my partner to certain things because I wasn't comfortable, and and it it was just extra work, and it was just an extra burden to carry. And uh, I think I realized that and. I didn't, I, I didn't want to live like that. So that's, that's why the hard choice. And I, I had to have the, the hard conversation. And you're glad you did? I'm so, I'm so glad I did. Like, it, it's been actually great. I, I think coming out to my parents was tough. And, but I feel like 
I feel like they actually know me now. I feel like it's it's just gotten a lot better. And um, it, it's definitely a journey. I'm trying not to say too much. I'm, I'm not... I'm not angry at my parents or anything. It's it's just a, it's a growth. It's totally growing pains and, and. Yeah, no, it's, it, it <laughs> is a beautiful thing. You know, this is a beautiful thing that you're like, Hey, you get to know all of me now. You get to yeah. know every part of me now. And, you know, it's probably opened up your relationship and it might, it might take time. It might've taken some time, but it's going to get to the place where it's going to be better than it ever could have. I yes. really believe that. Yeah. So, so I think the hard conversation had to happen because I think they know me now and I, I, I know that they know me now and my parents still love me. And that was like my biggest fear. Like, what what is gonna happen? Like, if I go out to my parents, like I know that they are not down with this, but I still have to tell them because I can't hide it anymore. You know? Yeah, and a lot of it is just is the having the conversation, and for you to you know say to them whatever conversations you want to continue to have, I'm happy to have them because this isn't. That's why I you know when I ask the question, it's layers because it's not just a one time thing. Yeah. Some people have to come out to their parents multiple times. Some people, you know, I also think that with the coming out question, what's so I think interesting is I think for me, it's like I carried that around so long, not just the fact that I'm gay, but the fear and the knowing that this moment is going to happen, whereas this other person has no idea that this moment is going to happen. Yeah. Yes. You know what? That is perfectly stated because I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, I'm about to change everything right now. Like, why do I want to do this? What's, what's so important about this? But yes. Yes, yeah, and you have the the time to reflect, and you're thinking of how to say it. And a lot of, and I know for me, I was just like, oh, they know, like this will this will be no surprise. And it was it was very much a surprise. So <laughs> um, you know, I I understand that that too. Yeah, yeah right, right, <laughs> exactly. So, what would you like for your future? This is the the future question. We've gone to the past, and now we'll go to go to the future as far as your career. As far as, you know, do you want to stay in New Orleans forever? If money was no object, if you could travel around and, and play music mm-hmm. for folks, if you money was no object, would mm-hmm. you want to tour big stadiums? Would you want to play dive bars? Would you want to just record music? Would you want to, you know, do music forever, do something else? Like, uh-huh, like uh-huh. what does that what does that look like for you? Your ideal, oh. your dreams. What are your dreams? Oh, what are my dreams? You know, <laughs> Ever since I was a kid, there were three things I wanted. I wanted a pair of boots, I wanted a guitar, and I wanted a horse. So I've got the boots, I've got the guitar, and now I want a horse. <laughs> so I want to, I, I would, at some point in my life, I would love to own some land with some horses and also play music. All at once? <laughs> you want to play music on a horse? With yeah, your definitely. On just traveling like by horseback because it's going to be the apocalypse. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I was just joking. No, um, that's actually very smart because if the if everything goes to shit, we're not going to be able to get gas or fix cars. Right. You'll, you know, it's going to take you a couple extra days, but you'll be able to get places. Exactly. Exactly. I would love to. I'm a traveler. I would love to travel the world and play music and play music, dive bars, stadiums, whatever. That's stadiums. I'm I'm not sure how long it's going to take that to come back, but. Music will always be there because music is my gateway. That's the gateway to joy. And um, 
kind of sounds like a name of the, of an album or something. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> Can't wait to join. <laughs> write that down. Uh, definitely travel music goes together. That's Those are the things that kind of make me happy. That I would, I miss traveling so much. I'm so like in some ways, because all my travel plans got canceled. So I was like, oh, good, I have money for once. Um, <laughs> that yeah. it's not just paying off these trips, you know, as they come up. But in the, I, I miss it so much. I mean, we're halfway through summer, and I would at least go to like Biloxi, Mississippi, like just <laughs> just an hour away, just to get away. And I and I haven't, yeah. I haven't done that. What's your ideal vacation spot? Like, man, I I have been to I've been to South Africa, I've been to Ghana, I've been to Europe, I've been to Sweden and all that. I would love to go back to Africa. I would love to I would love to visit Ghana again. I would definitely I would I would go back to the motherland. Yeah. That's so cool you've had opportunities to to travel and yeah, I keep telling my girlfriend cuz she doesn't have her passport yet. I'm like, "Girl, you got to get your passport cuz they might cut them off soon." Hey, I get it. I've been I've been telling <laughs> I look, I've been telling my family that. I've been saying, "Look, yo, I I firmly believe everybody needs to have the passport. Just get them updated. Just Just in it. case. Like you can't go anywhere without the passport. So exactly. at least if you have the passport, it's like it's like the secret. You're like putting it yeah. out there. Exactly. The world. Yeah, people need to know. Get your, get the passport. It's it's it does more than a license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has been so cool to finally get a chance to talk with you. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, thank you. I look, I've been it it was something I was shirking for a while because it it was extremely intimidating, but I'm not I that am, scary. I am, <laughs> I am glad I did it. No, thank thank you for thank you for pursuing. <laughs> if you want to give folks your social media, and if you have any shows coming up or anywhere they could find you, okay. Oh, my social media. You can find me on all social media platforms at Joy Clark Music. I've got music on Bandcamp. You can search Joy Clark. Don't have any shows coming up right now, but just follow me. I, I might do a random live video or something. So just follow me. Follow me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Everyone will follow you. We follow you, and we're we're so happy to have you. And you. folks, stay tuned. Uh, we're gonna play it one of Joy's songs after this episode. So thank you so much, yeah. Joy. Thanks, Amanda.
our guest, Joy Clark, for sharing her world with you. Special thank you to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the podcast. Please find us on social media. Say hello. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Near and Queer to My Heart. We're on Twitter at Queer to My Heart. Also, if you have an iPhone, go on your podcast app. Give us a review. We'd love to see five stars. Thank y'all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.